Amen. It's great to be in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of Luke, chapter 23. Luke 23, beginning at verse 26. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And a great multitude of the people followed him, women also who mourned and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For indeed the days are coming in which they will say, Blessed are they, blessed are the barren, wombs that never bore and breasts which never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things in the green wood, what will be done in the dry? There were also two others, criminals led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right, one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with them sneered, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he is the Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And an inscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The king on a cross. The image of the cross is one of capital punishment. So it was in that day. Criminals crucified for works worthy of death crucified for their wickedness. 
How is it that a king would find his place among such company? A mortal king? There have been mortal kings in the earth that have worked works worthy of death. But how is it that the king of kings found his place among such company? One that never worked even one work worthy of death. The king on a cross. Not because of any wrongdoing. No unrighteousness, no injustice. Never a wrong word spoken. Not one wicked deed done. How is it the king of kings would find himself among such company? Those deserving of death. The king on a cross. Because he chose to take his place among such company. He willingly surrendered, he willingly subjected himself to a criminal's death. Even the courts couldn't charge him with any crimes. Innocence! I find no fault in him, cried Pilate. Verse Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. The Amplified Bible reads, For Christ, the Messiah himself, died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, the just for the unjust, the innocent for the guilty, that he might bring us to God, in his human body, he was put to death, but he was made alive in the Spirit. The king on a cross. There was no other way. No other answer. No other hope. No other means of reconciliation. That is right relationship once again with God the Father. One way, only one, Jesus, the King on a cross. Isaiah 53, reading from the message paraphrase, who believes what we've heard and seen, that is our report, who would have thought God's saving power would look like this? A political messiah? No. A servant savior, a suffering savior. The text continues, a servant grew up before God, a scrawny seedling, a scrubby plant in a parched field. There was nothing attractive about him. Nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over a man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. 
I want to look at him. People turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. But the fact is, it was our pains he carried. Our disfigurements. All the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself, that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sins that did that to him. That ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sins. He took the punishment and that made us whole. Through his bruises we get healed. We're all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing, gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on Him, on Him. The King on a cross. The text continues, He was beaten, He was tortured, but He didn't say a word like a lamb taken to be slaughtered and like a sheep being sheared. He took it all in silence. Justice miscarried, and he was let off. And did anyone really know what was happening? He died without a thought for his own welfare, beaten bloody for the sins of my people. They buried him with the wicked, threw him in a grave with a rich man, even though he'd never heard a soul or said one word that wasn't true. Still, it's what God had in mind all along, to crush him with pain. The plan was that he give himself as an offering for sin so that he'd see life come from it. Life, life, and more life. And God's plan will deeply prosper through him. Our king on a cross. Out of that terrible travail of soul, he'll see that it's worth it and be glad he did it. Through what he experienced, my righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous ones as he himself carries the burden of their sins. Therefore, I'll reward him extravagantly. The best of everything, the highest honors, because he looked death in the face and didn't flinch. Because he embraced the company of the lowest, he took on his shoulders the sin of many. He took up the cause of all the black sheep. The words of John Stott, before we can begin to see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. Our sins did that to him. My sin. Your sin. Beaten bloody for the sins of humanity. Nailed to a cross. One stated, unless you see yourself standing there with the shrieking crowd full of hostility and hatred for the holy and innocent Lamb of God, you don't really understand the nature and depth of your sin or the necessity of the cross. The image of the cross 
is one of paid ransom. Mark 10, verse 45, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. The message, that is what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for many who are held hostage. Any held hostage here today? The king on a cross. Jesus took the cross to pay our ransom. The price we could not pay. The price no one else could pay. Only Jesus. Money wouldn't do, nor all the riches of the world. Only one divine treasure would suffice. A payment made by the hand of God. A payment sent right out of heaven into the earth. And that treasure was the perfect, sinless Son of God. Jesus. 1 Timothy 2, verses 5 and 6. For there is one God. And one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. John 10, verses 17 and 18, Therefore my Father loves me, because I laid down my life, that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. Jesus Christ, our ransom. R.C. Sproul said these words, The most obscene symbol in human history is the cross. Yet in its ugliness, it remains the most eloquent testimony to human dignity. Our Savior. This is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. The Bible says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing. To those being saved, it's the very power of God. The image of the cross is one of life. One might argue here, how is that image one of life? I remember when I was younger, I had a cross hanging around my neck at a certain gathering, and on that cross was Jesus. And an individual spoke to me that I shouldn't be wearing that type of cross around my neck because Jesus was no longer on the cross. I did understand their point because I know that that image is associated with certain things in this world and even a certain system. 
And so I guess I could try and find a necklace with an empty tomb hanging from it. You know, I've always been captivated, even mesmerized, fascinated by the image of the cross of Christ. Christ crucified. It's the one image of death I can't take my eyes off of. It's the one image of death I love and long to gaze upon. For some reason, it feels right. I remember visiting my grandparents' house, and they had this book. This book was always out. The pages which displayed scenes from the passion, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And I remember as a young boy, I would stare at those pages fixated on the image of the king on a cross. Pierced with nails, beaten bloody for the sins of humanity, crown of thorns thrust in his skull. The king on a cross. You know, can I suggest today that the image of the cross produces life? That it causes us to live and to live right. That it keeps us in check. It keeps us on the straight and narrow. A life ever lived before the cross. The ever-present reality of Jesus Christ crucified for my wrongdoing and for my redemption. J.C. Ryle said these words, Look to the cross. Think of the cross. Meditate on the cross. And then go and set your affections on the world if you can. We need to live life before the cross. This image of the king on the cross, it will keep us in check. It will keep us on the straight and narrow. It's the image of life. Charles Spurgeon, I've shared these words before. If Christ has died for me, ungodly as I am, without strength as I am, then I cannot live in sin any longer. I must arouse myself to love and serve him who has redeemed me. I cannot trifle with the evil that killed my best friend. I must be holy for his sake. How can I live in sin when he has died to save me from it? The image of the cross produces life. Amy Carmichael, God hold us to that which drew us first. When the cross was the attraction and we wanted nothing else. There is no greater news. There's no greater message than the Son of God leaving heaven and coming to earth for us. It begins with repentance. The Bible says repent. 
where we acknowledge that we need a Savior, that it was for our sins that Jesus died. We bring it down to the personal level. Yes, the sins of all humanity. But my sins. Repentance and surrender. Where I laid on my life at the foot of the cross, where Jesus died, where I lay my everything down before the King and for the King. My Savior, my Messiah, my Redeemer, my Reconciler, my Ransom. From there we take hold of the words of Jesus and we take on a new way of life. For the Bible declares, 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Where would we be without the king on a cross? Who would we be? And if we haven't given our lives to the king on a cross, who are we? The words of C.S. Lewis, God became man to turn creatures into sons. Not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. The king on a cross is just not simply an improvement to my living, an improvement to my reality. It's a whole new way of life. Born again. Let us be reminded of the words of Jesus, Matthew 16, verses 24 to 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul for the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels and then he will reward each according to his works? Today is the day of salvation. The King on a cross, can become your king. Think back to the text we read at the beginning of this message, Luke 23, 26. Now as they led him away, they laid hold of a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, who was coming from the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. This man 
was conscripted. He was pulled from the crowd to bear the cross. We must choose conscription. Choose to be apprehended by the Lord. Choose to be led away with Jesus. Choose to take up the cross and to bear the cross after Jesus. The Voice Bible reads, On the way to the place of crucifixion, they pulled a man from the crowd. His name was Simon Cyrene, a person from the countryside who happened to be entering the city at that moment. They put Jesus' cross on Simon's shoulders, and he followed behind Jesus. You know, I wonder today if a man can be pulled from the crowd Today, one can be pulled from the crowd and the cross placed on his shoulders. Pulled from the crowd, a man that will follow behind Jesus or a woman. And you just happen to enter Christ City today. Oh, this divine appointment. Pulled from the crowd. The words of Oswald Chambers, all of heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. Hell, afraid of it, while men are the only ones to ignore its meaning. Think about it. In our world, all of heaven is interested in the cross of Christ. The cross changes everything. Those that live before the cross look towards the cross. We look back to the cross because the cross is everything. It's the focus. It's the main message of the book. The king on a cross. All of heaven is interested in it. Hell, afraid of it. And it's sad. But men are the only ones to ignore its meaning. It's a day to take interest in the cross of Christ. It's a day to fear it if we have not given our lives to Jesus. And it's a day to turn from ignorance. The image of the king on a cross. There was a man that knew he was a criminal. Wicked deeds. A man that knew he was deserving of death. His crimes and sin were worthy of death. Who would pay this man's ransom? Luke 23, 32 and 33, there were also two others, criminals, led with him to be put to death. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Verses 39 to 43, one of the criminals 
who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, assuredly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Two criminals, two individuals deserving of death, guilty. Two criminals hung beside Jesus that day, one on either side of the king on a cross. One blasphemed and one rebuked the blasphemer and his blasphemy. One decided that he needed the king on a cross. The other decided he didn't. Both hung there. Criminals, worthy of death. Reading from the message, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Dividing up his clothes, they threw dice for them. The people stood there staring at Jesus, and the ringleaders made faces taunting, He saved others. Let's see him save himself. The Messiah of God, huh? The chosen, the soldiers also came up and poked fun at him, making a game of it. Some still make a game of it. They toasted him with sour wine, so you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. Printed over him was a sign, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging alongside cursed him. Some Messiah you are. Save yourself. Save us. But the other one made him shut up. Have you no fear of God? You're getting the same as him. We deserve this, but not him. He did nothing to deserve this. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. He said, don't worry, I will. Today, you will join me in paradise. Jesus paid this man's ransom. And the other wouldn't have it. Two criminals. Worthy of death. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Really, we're all criminals. We need the king on a cross to pay our ransom. The question is, which criminal are we? The blasphemer 
Lord, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. Jesus is in his kingdom today. He is there in glory. He died on a cross. He was buried in a tomb. And on the third, at break of dawn, the Son of Heaven rose again. He took your capital punishment. He took the death that you deserved. He paid your ransom. Think about it today. He laid down his life that we might have life. I'm here to announce today that he's there now. And he remembers you. He remembers the day he died for your sins. He remembers the scourging and the crown of thorns and the nails. He bears the marks. One day we will pass from this life. Extra, extra. One day we will pass from this life and we will end up in one of two places. Heaven. Paradise with the Lord, or hell. Eternal separation from the Lord where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Eternal torment in a lake of fire that burns without end. Everlasting destruction, no presence and glory of God. Jesus is in his kingdom. And if you'd turn to him and ask him to remember you, he will. And you can hear those words and have the assurance of paradise with him. Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Today. You know, today might not be the day we pass from this life. But it can be the day that we die to the old way of life. The day we pass from death to life. And this very day, we can enter paradise here on earth with Jesus. Eternity and eternal life beginning now, having the death sentence taken off of us, accepting his grace on the cross for us. Let's have the worship team return today. We need the cross of Christ where he shed his blood, the blood which cleanses us from sin. The ransom has been paid, but we have to choose to accept it. Until we do, the wrath of God abides on us. That's what the Bible declares. That's what the Bible says. He's willing that none would perish. Billy Graham said these words, the greatest vision of sin that a person can ever receive is to look at the cross. We need the cross of Christ that we might live before it. 
that it might keep us in this life. Keep looking at the cross. Keep living at the cross. The words of Matthew Henry, Come and see the victories of the cross. Christ's wounds are thy healings. Receive it today. His agonies, thy repose. His conflicts, thy conquests. His groans, thy songs. His pains, thine ease. His shame, thy glory. His death, thy life. His sufferings, thy salvation. John Stott, the Christian community is a community of the cross. Let's never forget that. For it has been brought into being by the cross, and the focus of its worship is the Lamb once slain, now glorified. So the community of the cross is a community of celebration, a Eucharistic community, ceaselessly offering to God through Christ the sacrifice of our praise and thanksgiving. The Christian life is an unending festival. And the festival we keep now that our Passover lamb has been sacrificed for us is a joyful celebration of his sacrifice together with a spiritual feasting upon it. You know, I say today, God hold us to that which drew us first when the cross was the attraction and we wanted nothing else. Come out from the crowd today. The words of C.S. Lewis, God who needs nothing loves into existence holy, superfluous creatures in order that he may love and perfect them. He creates the universe already foreseeing, or should we say seeing. There are no tenses in God. The buzzing cloud of flies about the cross, the flayed back pressed against the uneven stake, the nails driven through the mesial nerves, the repeated incipient suffocation as the body droops, the repeated torture of back and arms as it is time after time for breath's sake hitched up. If I may dare the biological image, God is a host who deliberately creates his own parasites causes us to be that we may exploit and take advantage of him here in his love. This is the diagram of love himself, the inventor of all loves. The words of John Piper, life is wasted if we do not grasp the glory of the cross, cherish it for the treasure that it is and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and the deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to us, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in this world. Do you know the king on a cross? Ah, church, it's not the finest wood that feeds the fire of divine love, but the wood of the cross. Further words of John Stott. Even the excruciating pain could not silence his repeated 
entreaties. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. The soldiers gambled for his clothes. Some woman stood afar off. The crowd remained a while to watch. Jesus commended his mother to John's care and John to hers. He spoke words of kingly assurance to the penitent criminal crucified at his side. Meanwhile, the ruler sneered at him, shouting, He saved others, but he cannot save himself. Their words spoken as an insult were the literal truth. He could not save himself and others simultaneously. He chose to sacrifice himself in order to save the world. You know, I want to say today, if we are looking for a definition of love, we should look not in a dictionary, but at Calvary. Whether we like it or not, we are involved in the cross. Whether we like it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, we were involved in the cross. You say, how so? He died for the sins of all humanity, for every sin we've ever committed. For the sins we committed in the past, the sins, heaven forbid, we commit today, and for the sins committed in the future. Whether we like it or not, we're involved in the cross. You say, I don't want to have anything to do with the cross. It's not for us to decide. We're involved in the cross. Christ's cross, for whether we like it or not, we are involved. Our sins put him there. So far from offering us flattery, the cross undermines our self-righteousness. We can stand before it only with a bowed head and a broken spirit. And there we remain until the Lord Jesus speaks to our hearts, his word of pardon and acceptance. And we, gripped by his love and full of thanksgiving, go out into the world to live our lives in his service. The king on a cross. You know, humanity's looking for answers. The cross is still the answer. It'll always be the answer. The image of the king on a cross. It's the image of healing. By his stripes and wounds we are made whole. By his death we live. The cross defeated all our sickness and pain. We're ransomed by the king. Let's stand in the house today.